Catch new episodes of Dial the Gate weekends at youtube.com slash dial the gate. And for the latest schedule, visit dialthegate.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 79 of Dial the Gate. My name is David Reed. Thanks so much for spending some of your Sunday with us. We have Sally Malcolm, Fandemonium founder and novelist, Stargate SG-1, and Atlantis Books. Before we bring Sally in, I would like to invite you to share this with a Stargate friend. If you like Stargate and want to see more content like this on YouTube, it would mean a great deal. If you click the like button, it really makes a difference with YouTube's algorithm and will definitely help the show grow its audience. And if you want to get notified about future episodes, click the subscribe icon. Giving the bell icon a click will notify you the moment a new video drops, and you'll get my notifications of any last-minute guest changes. This is key if you plan on watching live. And clips from this live stream will be released over the course of the next several days on both the Dial the Gate and GateWorld.net YouTube channels. As with most of our episodes, this is another live show. Sally is joining us from the UK, as many of our viewers are. So now uh, uh, I, I appreciate her, her time shift. So what we're going to do is I'm going to have a Q&A with her, and then I'm going to invite everyone who's watching on YouTube.com slash Dial the Gate to submit questions to our moderating team, and they're going to get those over to me. And so that's how we roll with these episodes. Sally Malcolm, Fandemonium founder, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. It's really exciting to be here. It's it's a pleasure. You know, I, I mean, we've been corresponding for... Man, 15 years now? Yeah. More? And it's like, so it's, well, good, yeah. it's good to finally see your face. I know. I, I think yeah. this is the first time. I, unless, did were you ever at a GateCon? Uh, Any of the ones did, in Vancouver? I, I did. I went to one in Vancouver. Did we cross paths? Yeah. I'm trying to remember. We, it's been so long. I'm trying to think which year it was. Right. <laughs> well, regardless, it was, it's it's really yeah. good to have you on. Um, we've got, uh, an accumulation of, of, you said more than 60 titles yeah. over the course yeah. of what was, when was the first, when, when did, um, wow. uh, trial by fire come out? Sabine's book. So that would have been 2004. Wow. I know. Oh. It's funny because I had a similar conversation. I met with Carol at MGM, who you probably oh, know. Oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. We did a- yeah, we did a Zoom just the other day. Oh, good. Same thing. Um, we hadn't actually sort of met face to face. So it was, I guess this is one of the the uh, silver linings of the whole pandemic situation is that everyone's got on to Zoom. Correct. So we, we met with her and we had the same conversation and uh, we worked out that it was, well, I know it was it was 18 years ago when I started because uh my son at the time was just a couple of months old and he just turned 18. So. Wow. <laughs> How time wow. has flown. Has it, yeah. has it been, 
a rewarding experience going through yeah. releasing all these books over the years and, and all of this material and, and, and trying to, to keep it all on the straight and narrow in terms of Stargate canon and everything else. It's been, yeah, it's been quite the ride. I mean, I was a huge Stargate fan yeah. to start with, obviously. So that's, that's really what it came out of. We, I was writing a Stargate fan fiction and um, just in a, in a strange out of the blue moment we we came up with this idea of maybe we could do some books and over the last 18 years we've we've managed to you know we've been to we've been to gatecon we went to chicago we've been to baltimore and uh, meeting fans we've been to london comic-con a couple of times mm. that's what i love i love doing that i love going out talking to readers and they come up and like oh yes this book i've been waiting for this or um that's been just so much fun people saying you know thanks for keeping it going you know because obviously i think we were in season seven of sg1 when we began and um you know so we we kept going when you know after that finished after atlantis finished after universe finished and we're still here still trucking along i know yeah it's like darren and gate world you know darren made the made the comments uh uh, I can't remember when it was, but regardless, he said, you know, de- depending on your, your definition, he said, I- I've been working on Stargate longer than Brad and Rob have. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, that's, and Sally, that's I think funny. you are a part of that crew at this point. Yeah, so. really. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man. Yeah, it's um, amazing. So, it's, yeah. so you guys just had, – had you had publishing experience before um, – uh, uh, this really took off what what was the what what do you think well, what was the the impetus that's that that allowed mgm to take a chance on you i just think it was one of those pieces of cosmic good luck to be honest um we my husband uh, is a journalist um at the time he was he was all, he was already a journalist um but neither of us had any book publishing experience he he was an editor magazine editor so he you know he he knew that side of the business. Um, I remember it so vividly. I was sitting on the on the stairs at home with my son, who was like three months old. <laughs> and we were saying, "Why are there no Stargate novels? You know, there's there's Star Trek novels." And we we looked up, and there had been a couple that had been released previously. Of, of SG One, there were I, was it two? I think yeah, the Morpheus Factor and something else. Yeah, exactly. So. And they. That was it. That was all that was around. And, and at that the point, that movie was novels. And the novelizations of the movie. Yeah. So we we thought, well, you know, I know a lot of fan fiction writers and they're really good. Um, let's just give it a shot. So we composed a fax. This is how long ago it was. Mm. And uh, <laughs> faxed MGM. This is, this is what we found out online. If you do, we did look it up. Obviously, the internet had existed. Um, and we sent them a fax. And to our complete shock, the next day, the very next day, we got a, a message back saying, yeah, we're interested. Come, uh, come into our London office. And at that point, they had an office in um a place called Richmond upon Thames, which is close to where we live. Wow! Um, and so I was at home with the baby. So Tom went in and had a meeting with a guy there. Um, and yeah, they said, sure, you know, okay, well, you know, we could do something, put together some, uh, you know, some figures and, and come back to us, which we did. And yeah, and it initially started with just the UK rights, um, but we okay. we expanded that over the years too. 
to doing more. So I uh, I don't know what it made what made them take the chance on us. We were fans of the show, and no one else was doing it. I think so. I guess it was just a yeah, just an amazing feat of luck. You know, I mean, it's it just goes to show that there's if you have a if you have a vision and you have you know the the wherewithal to see it through because people have been getting in touch with with me for years and saying mm. can i have the contact info for so and so at mgm i want to pitch something yeah. and it's like I, don't come this way you know i mean you 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 have you have to know i mean if you're coming to me something's wrong so yeah. um you, you, there's there's just not everyone can can pull off something like like you guys have pulled off there is a commitment to following through on something like this it is an exhausting amount of work you know i have yeah. i have pitched frankly full disclosure i have pitched to you uh, a few years ago and we went through how many how many iterations and it, and it didn't and it didn't come about and that's just how it is you yeah. know there's there mm-hmm. is there is a process at play you have an expectation of of a certain level of quality and a certain uh, uh, framework from which you have to work in. Because what's interesting for you guys is not only do you have to follow 350 episodes of continuity, you have to follow your continuity. (laughs) Because your continuity in the novels is also completely internally consistent. Am I right? I think it is mostly. There's certainly we have series of books where there's obviously there's a continuity my I think my uh because I've come from fan fiction uh, the world of fan fiction which I love and I still love um where where you have you have this uh, creation you have the, the the original source material the show or whatever the fandom is around and then people can go into dip into that and they can say, well, what if this happens? What if that happens? And I love that because you can be really creative. And that's what I, one of the things I love so much about fan fiction. We're a bit more limited in that because obviously we, we have to, we can't change things irrevocably except with one series of books, um, which we may get onto later. But yes. um, so, um, so you, you know, you have to sort of put your toys back as you found them. But um, so I haven't been too strict where if, a, if an author's come to me and said, I, you know, I've got this great idea and I want to do this. And I'm, I'm going, mm, five years ago, we had a book which might contradict that. I'm a little bit, I kind of feel like these are possible stories. I don't, you know, it's, it's a kind of a vague, I think it's my fan fiction background which makes me think like that. I don't want to have things which are completely contradictory. And because right. everything has to go back into the, into the box at the end there's always going to be a level of continuity because they've they've all got to fit with the show but you know so if if if, i don't know if if two characters have a conversation in you know book a i don't always expect author of book z to have you know include a reference to that conversation if you see what i mean or that event or that series of events although sometimes our writers do because they're also fans and they've read the books. Yeah, too, they so. they keep the internal continuity as, as yeah. well. I remember you you introduced a, a British character in, in Trial by Fire, and the first time that I noticed it, I was I was reading uh, book one of the um, uh, the Matter of Honor series, and and they specifically referenced her, and I was like, this is 
this is <laughs> this is good stuff. You know, this is we we are we are paying attention just yeah. or at least trying to just as much as Brad and Rob and and all all the others behind the, the production did. Have you ever yeah. been in a situation where uh in 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 after accepting some of this material you were like midway through and uh on on some of the content and be like we have to tweak something we have to reverse something because we've missed this big chunk over here or you know stargate is doing this over here because it's in production right now um well the process is that we'll have an outline and then that outline has to be approved by mgm so usually that will get rid of anything too major um, especially when the show was in production, that was much more important. Correct. Um, and there, and there were there were times. I can't think of a specific example, but I there were times where they said, "Don't go there because the show might touch on that topic or that subject." Especially, um, you know, we couldn't we couldn't do anything set post season ten of SG or post the end of SG one whilst Atlantis was in production. Uh, just in case, you know, it somehow contradicted what happened in Atlantis. So mm. um, things like that, you know, that we were constrained. We, I don't think we've got fully through an, a novel where um, we've had to uh, change a large element of the plot, although we do get notes from MGM, which I, you know, send back to my authors. Um, and sometimes, you know, they are required to change something, some elements sometimes just... Uh, I don't think Jack would say that line or, you know, I don't think his character is, would behave in this way in this situation or it's a bit too dark. Sometimes we go a bit dark and MGM and I Especially with Jack. <laughs> yeah. 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 Jack has a dark side. I he has think, a black ops but... side, you know? Exactly. And there exactly. is, there, there are levels of, of his persona where angels fear to tread. I mean, mm. especially mm-hmm. in the I 80s. Think that's... Yes, absolutely. It's what makes him such a compelling character. He's very light on the outside and he's all, you know, just keep it light, keep everything a joke, but you know that there's a backstory. Right, exactly. It, he's he's SG1's Han solo. Yeah. For yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. Now, under certain yeah. circumstances, this man can, can be a killer. Yeah, um and has been. You know he must have been in the Absolutely. Past. You know, that's it's one of one of my favorite lines from him uh in season one with Korai. I, I, you know, have spent a number of years in service of my country, and I have been ordered to do some damn distasteful things. Uh, and you just have to, to ask yourself, tell me more, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Which so that, one? That, yeah, go ahead. That, that tell me more, that, that is the sort of the nub of fan fiction for me. You know, there's a story there you could write, you know. And many people have, you know, what happened, what happened in Berlin, what happened back in the other things he's done in the past where we know he's, you know, uh, that's what yeah, I love about We saw a glimpse it. of East Germany in, um, yes, in, in Gamekeeper in season two. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's mm-hmm. one piece of a, of a whole larger operation. Yeah. So, so you, you, uh, not only do you run this thing, but you have written uh, as well. Mm-hmm. What are some, before we get into stories, mm. what what have been some of your uh, favorite characters to write for? And whose uh, voices have you found personally difficult 
to the, the, to to write for the most and who's have come in loud and clear um okay interesting question i find jack quite easy to write for i think i i think i he's i guess he's my favorite character so i enjoy writing jack um Tilk is hard to write, I'm not going to lie. I think most people would agree, most authors would agree that Tilk is probably the hardest to write. Sometimes... He has the least to say. Well, exactly. He, he, he talks the least. He has the least to he say is not it. true. His internal monologue is actually very interesting. And sometimes I've found he is the perfect character for uh, a particular scene. You know, Correct. You're thinking, now, mm, whose point of view I'm going to write this one from? And sometimes Tilk is perfect because he doesn't say much. But it's all going on in there, and and you can use him to reveal what the other characters are thinking. But his his voice is his voice is quite difficult because he speaks obviously quite formally, but you don't want it to sound like a pastiche. So you have to try and keep it not too sort of indeed a meal every five minutes. Right? So it's yeah, quite no, it would get, get old. It right. Mm. Um, Daniel, I also find quite interesting to write because, of course, he's the moral voice of the team. So if you if you need a, a scene that's, um, you know, if you're trying to put across some moral complexity, then Daniel's the one. Um, and I and probably in terms of personality, I'm probably most like Daniel. I'm, you know, I have a slight, I have a sort of his, history background. I'm a bit not as educated as that. I don't have two PhDs, but I have <laughs> a PhD. Speak 22 different languages, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I sadly know other languages. Uh, so, yeah, so I like <laughs> I like Daniel. Um, I like writing him. He he can be really interesting, and I, I find him quite easy to write as well, from just, I think, because I sort of relate to him quite well. And, um, yeah, Sam, I, of course, I love Sam as well, but I love them all, but... Um, Maybe she might be one of my most tricky characters to write, I think, because she's quite rule-bound and she's quite... Um, analytical? Yeah, she's analytical and scientific, which I'm not. <laughs> so right. The babble is quite difficult. You know, I'm sure when they write the script, they probably put something like, get some techno bubble put in here and they have someone who will come yeah. and provide it but i have to make it up myself so i find that <laughs> quite hard. well everything that comes out of her mouth is really on the straight and narrow you yeah know? exactly and with, with daniel it's 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 of passion and with mm. with jack it's of chaos <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> controlled got, chaos though, controlled you know, you chaos like if you let that control slip it would be it would be bad news so have, yeah Have all of the books been written in third person or have any of them taken Uh, one of the characters perspective through the entire thing? No, they're all done. Well, just trying to think back over all 60. I'm pretty sure they (laughs) will be done. uh, I certainly the ones I've written would be multiple point of view. um, Third person. Okay. Um, Yeah. So, Uh, yeah, not not only necessarily the four main characters from SG One or Atlantis, Correct. but sometimes the bad guys and some original characters get their own point of view as well, which is quite fun. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, the 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 shows have always been about SG One and the and, and the SG One team and uh, Shepherd Flanagan's uh, Shepherd's Atlantis team, you know, hmm. and getting outside of that especially with with the villains or the enemies or the adversaries 
to really play into their angle and their perspective. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's is so much of what sci-fi is about. You know, yeah. let's take a look at their enemy and get inside their heads and see why they're thinking what they're thinking. You know, see yeah. A, what is revolting about them, but B, what is relatable about them as well. Mm. You know, that's a little tricky. Mm. That's a little tricky. Um, what are what are um uh some of your favorite uh favorites that you've written? That I've written. Um and we should well, note, go to StargateNovels.com and follow along if you'd like. Yeah, they're all on there. They're all on there. Um, I guess uh, the Apocalypse trilogy, which I wrote with my friend and writing partner, Laura, was um, really, that was a fun thing to write. It, we, uh, <laughs> we we both vowed we were never going to write Time Travel again when we got to the end of it. Because it was a bit of a... A nightmare, keeping all the different timelines and threads straight. Um, but we, the first book, we just had this idea of how it was going to end, and um, I think some of our readers were like not too happy with the ending of the first book because it was a bit of a cliffhanger. Um, but I like, I enjoyed, I like the plot of that. It was set on Earth. We might, we even set it in Scotland, uh, near wow. where my where Laura lives, actually. Okay. Um, so that that was um, that was a lot of fun. I get I still get people coming up to me at conventions with the the, the matter of honor books. Yes, um, yes. There's a the... continuity change there if you follow um, what happened at the end of a matter of time. Yeah, so, which uh, is all I'll say. So you yeah, guys, you guys right. change things uh, a little bit. We wanted to we wanted to give it a. Uh, those poor guys stuck on the planet we wanted to give them a, a better ending <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> it was too sad to leave them there you know but it was an interesting premise and that's yeah that was one of the books that really follows directly on from a from an episode title um and yeah i still get people who who love those books and that was you know i wrote those a long time ago now mm-hmm. so it's good that they've stood the test of time. I also really, of my own ones I've written, I also really like the novella um, Permafrost that I wrote, which is a kind of um, slight slight horror twist on, on Stargate, which is a, it's like a 30,000 word short novella. But um, I enjoyed writing that one as well. All right. And some of uh, the highlights from other author- authors over the year, if you could narrow some of those down. I know we can't well, bring up everybody and everyone, you know, uh, no. that, that's, that's, that's a huge uh, amount of, of content. And, and I advise everyone to go and check out stargatenovels.com. But uh, any of the ones yeah. that have really stood out to you over the years well, that have really withstood the test of time? I mean, there's the legacy series, which we maybe will discuss in a mm-hmm. moment, which is the, the continuation of, of um, Atlantis, which was done by, you know, three amazing forces, um, and writing as a team. Uh, that I um, that was fantastic. I loved all of those books. I loved they were just a joy to edit and um, absolutely brilliant. As we were talking earlier about, you know, going into the, the culture of the bad guys, they completely expanded on the race culture to such an extent that that is in my head canon now everything they wrote about the race and i would advise anyone who is an atlantis fan to read those books because they're fantastic um 
when we first started, the first author who I approached was um, a fan fiction writer who I, whose stuff I loved, um, Sabina, Sabina Bauer. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wrote the first book, Trial by Fire, mm-hmm. which, uh, and, and a couple of others of our books. And she's got a really forensic knowledge of the show. And her books are, um, they are tight, uh, they're very plotty. They, her, she writes a great Jack and Neil. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really really good you know and she comes what i love about her stuff is she comes and this is true of the legacy authors as well she comes at it from a fan's perspective you know so she is writing there are writers who who write you know writers for hire but sabina is a, a writer of passion she comes to it from that point of view um susanna sinard is another one who writes mm. as a fan and you can you can tell from the writing. Um, I'm sure they're 100% convinced that you can tell the right when a fan has written a book who is a real fan. You can be a pro writer and a fan, but you know, someone who's written it from a, from a perspective of love for the show and yeah, the character of reverence. Of reverence, yeah, exactly, and just being delighted to be able to spend more time with these characters. That's why people write fan fiction, and that right from the beginning, from, from the name of our company, that is what we wanted to get into into our books we didn't want it just to be you know just put out there as oh you know put a stargate label on it and someone will buy it we 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 came at it and we continue to come at it from from you know the point of view of fans who love the show who want to write stories for the show and so my all of my favorite books are written by people who are massive fans of the show john cannon is another big fan of the show we've got uh, we're working on something new um, with him at the moment, so yeah. So I, I do. Another... Go ahead. Sorry, carry on. Sorry. Carry on. Carry oh, on. thank you. <laughs> I uh, I do I do want to ask. Um, uh, it, it's been it's been um, a couple of almost a couple of years since since a book has has come out, mm. and I I wanted to preempt that question before the the, the fans bring it up. Uh, can you yeah. give us can you give us an update on that? What's what's going on there? Well, we are yeah we're still ongoing. The okay. pandemic has caused some, as it has with everything, some delays um, in in all areas of the process um, and everyone involved. We've got two books in development at the moment, which we're hoping, you know, we'd be able to get going soon. Um, we've obviously, we've been busy with our own lives during this mm-hmm. situation, as everyone is working. You know, I, I have a day job, which has been quite impacted by, by the pandemic. Um, MGM has also obviously had a lot going on. Mm-hmm. So we're... The, all these things are fed together to to slow things up more than we would have liked. But we we've got we've got two books really close to being ready. And as soon as we have more information about when we can get those out, we will be banging the drum loudly. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm afraid I haven't got. I can't give you any like dates because we don't know any yet. But as soon as we get everything sorted. We will be, um, yeah, we'll be putting some more things out there. There will be, there are more things in the works. Perfect. I can say that much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Darren and Gateworld will be, will be very happy to know when we can start reporting on, on more Stargate content because, yeah. you know, if there's, if there's ever been a time to hunker down and read, this has been it. Yeah. So, 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The Legacy series, specifically, uh, a lot of fans rightfully felt cut short by by Atlantis ending the way that it did. Yeah. The Wraith were left um, unresolved. I think mm-hmm. I think that that was that that was really the big thing that that's floating on out there is that we have. We have the Ancients, perhaps greatest adversary, at least the greatest adversary in the Pegasus Galaxy, are, are still left um, uh, uh, wreaking havoc on Pegasus yeah. worlds. And yeah. you guys took a, a, a direction. So tell us about the process that you went through to convince MGM to tell a post-Atlantis story. Wow. Yeah. Season so, five, post Atlanta season five story. Exactly. So, uh, Joe uh, Graham came to me and said, We've got, she'd written a couple of books for us, and she's a fantastic writer, another fan fiction writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came to me and she said, well, I've got this idea. We're thinking of doing it as fan fiction, but, you know, I don't, you know, if it would be amazing if you could get MGM to agree to do it. And she sort of, ran it past me this idea of a six book series um you know a, a virtual season six is how she pitched it to me and i was like yes i want to do this mm-hmm. um, so well we went to we went to mgm and we you know we basically pitched it as that you know the show was off the air there was no risk that um we were going to tread on any toes in terms of um you know what was going to happen next by that point had um, the the plug on Stargate extinction already been pulled at this point i'm guessing yeah yeah so that dvd uh, yeah. movie was not going to happen yeah so yeah exactly so uh you know we yeah we we just went to them and said we've got this great idea and, and they knew the, the authors already and um to our surprise they were like okay well you know, go for it. So we did. And uh, it's honestly just uh, is amazing series. I I, I can't believe what a great job, you know, well, I can, because I knew they were. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Graham, Melissa Scott and Amy Griswold. I mean, the three of them, Melissa Scott, any science fiction fan will know is, uh, you know, extremely well-respected author in her own right. And so is Joe Graham. Um, And they uh, so they write their own original fiction. So it, we, we were so we were blessed to have them working with us on on the series, the the legacy series. And um, I think anyone who's who's read it will agree that it's just you know it's superb science fiction writing. Um, what um, what's the what's the uh, the 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 mile mile up view, looking down on it premise of this to entice the Atlantis fans. Right. Uh, who who were robbed of a season six right yeah so season five ends with atlantis in the harbor at san francisco um then the race still in control in the pegasus galaxy um and basically the legacy series picks up atlantis and it sends it back to pegasus uh with the team on board Various political shenanigans allow that to happen. Um, and on the way, uh, uh, an incident happens which strands it in a, in a different bit of the galaxy, not where they were intending to go. Um, 
I don't want to spoil too much, but uh, something happens to one of our favorite characters, um, <laughs> <laughs> which, you know, changes him quite a lot and um, really is the first time in one of the books where we, we've changed something from canon. Um, and it's a, it was a pretty uh, big step and we were pretty surprised that MGM allowed us to do it. Um, You're talking about something that happens to Rodney? To Rodney, yeah. Okay. To Rodney. I don't know whether to say it or not. It's, I, it's, a... I mean, I, I have not read them and I know it. So it's out there okay. on the web. Okay. So. Well, okay. So Rodney gets he gets uh, turned into a wraith for a period of time. Jeez. And through, through his point of view, we learn about the wraith. So he is in a hive. Um, he is, he, know, he knows uh, Guide, as Todd, as he is called in Atlantis. But of course, the, the, the wraith don't call themselves that. They have their own names for each other. Yeah, you had to do something for the novels. You had to distinguish them somehow. Well, yes, exactly. And it's not like they're just going to call each other, you know, you over there. So they, <laughs> they have some kind of name. Um, and the, the, the authors came up with this idea that because they're a telepathic race, they would, they would consider themselves it, uh, as sort of their, their names are kind of a, their personality or how, how they are. So R- Rodney is, is known as a Quicksilver, which I think is a great name for his brain, how he works. Sort of. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, so we we explore the wraith culture through Rodney's experience. Um, he doesn't realize that he doesn't realize that he's uh, human. Uh, he thinks he's a wraith for a time being, and eventually the truth all kind of comes out. Um, meanwhile, the rest of the team are off um, doing battle. There's a new wraith queen who who um, is a, a new enemy, but also potential avenue to peace with the wraith. Um, interesting all right towards the end so it's a, it's a six book arc that starts that, that tells the whole story which essentially is a season's worth of of, of story in, in six books and then there is some other books set afterwards um which bring in a couple of other storylines and some novels and novellas set in that universe the legacy universe which tie into it but but which are standalone books so there's really a whole there's a whole you know Season, well, it's more than a season. There's a whole sort of world, the legacy universe, which mm, which um, has been created. And, yeah, and they are they're just good. They're just really good books. <laughs> and I understand you play with the 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 Vanir, the the Pegasus Asgard as well. Yep, yep. They crop up in in in, in the two of the sort of coda books. Um, they come into it, um, and we bring back we bring back some characters who met their demise in atlantis but all right we bring them back so are you looking to continue the this this series um well, further i would be keep open the door open to, yes i would be open to any new books in the legacy series um that, that's really up to the authors whether they have the time because like i said they're both um melissa and joe primary sort of authors around it amy also writes with them um but they they write their own stuff as mm. well so you know it's 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 there if they come to me and say and melissa or some you know i think melissa 
has got some other ideas that she may if she has time she may be interested in doing but um at the moment there's nothing in the works but i would love for anything yeah i would i would be very happy to see anything else in the legacy universe i love them I have something that I'm sure has been across your table before that you've that you've answered. Um, I, I am a huge Audible fan, and I spend yes. 30, 40 hours on the road every single week. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I would very much love to be able to go through. I I don't have a tremendous amount of free time. This is some mm-hmm. of the free time that I have. I used to do this show and what little mm-hmm. I have left to read. I, I don't read nearly as physically read nearly as much as I, yeah. as I'd like to, but yeah. audiobooks. <laughs> I mean, yeah. there, there were, there were audio dramas that were, that were created by a separate company. Um, but I yeah. think that yep. big finished audio productions, but I think, yeah. you know, some of some of especially the legacy series i think would be fascinating to have adapted 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 as an unabridged book audiobook well i'm glad you asked that question that is something we are looking at um Ah. yes now there's a two a couple of issues um, Ah. around that the main one being order it's quite expensive this is true to produce yeah so um but we are, it's definitely something that we're looking at. We are and have discussed and are discussing with MGM. Um, we very much hope that that's going to be something that we'll be able to do. And we will, yes, we, we, we want to do it. Audible is, uh, audiobooks are just massive at the moment. I listen to them myself mm-hmm. a lot. I love them. I open, uh, I always, um, I, I buy the audio audible the audio version of a book that I've read. So I read a book. If I love it, then I'll listen to it on audio as well. Kind of like watching the movie. Or Correct. It's a whole know. different experience. It's completely different. And, and uh, yeah, so I really want to get into that. We've got one of the things, I guess I can be honest here, right? One of the things that um, makes me, which I think is going to be tricky, is finding a voice actor who is familiar with the show so that they can, you know, do the character voices. So when you normally do an audio book, obviously you have a book and then the actor can interpret those characters as he or she chooses. In this case, you're going to have to, you know, you have to know how Teal sounds. You need to be able to do a, uh, you know, not an impersonation, but it's got to sound like Jack or Daniel or whoever's speaking. And that's quite a detailed level of knowledge. So mm-hmm. we would need an actor who could do that. Now, I can I can hear people going, "Oh, why don't you use one of the actors from the show?" Which... That's expensive. <laughs> so they are they are working actors. Yes. So yes, and I think our pockets are not that deep. I'm afraid. I don't think we don't know, but I suspect that is the case. Well. Um, um... Uh, as someone who loves them, you know, uh, all the best of, of luck on that, because that that is like that is a big deal. And like a lot with a lot of the Star Trek uh, audiobooks, not the more recent ones, a lot of the more recent ones have not had the Star Trek actors, but the abridged ones definitely uh, did have the Star Trek cast. And I'm just yeah. I'm just putting it out there. I have recorded amateur audiobooks before and I would be oh. at your disposal. Well, thank so. you. That is an interesting fact. Absolutely. We are, you know, audio, we are audio newbies, but, you know, we've never published a book before, before we started this. So I'm not afraid that we won't figure it out. Podcasts but, are yeah. a huge thing, you know, and yeah. we're, we're spending so much more time, you know, uh, 
with our with our devices. So yeah. I, I think that it, I think that it would be a lucrative market to tap into. I think so. I think I suspect that there's a whole, um, you know, a load of fans who who don't read the books because, like in your case, they don't have time to sit and read. I've noticed. Uh, I think our audience is probably mostly female, mm-hmm. and I think we would hit more male readers through Audible mm-hmm. because I often get fans, um, male fans, come up to us at you know, conventions and say, who have you got this on Audible? Because I don't, I don't really read, but I like to listen to Audible. Audio exactly. There, there's something uh, about like, like the YouTube audience. Uh, yeah. It, 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 for whatever reason, skews male. And, and so does mine, it, you know, despite the yeah. fact that, that the, the dedicated Stargate fan base, if you go to a convention, it is predominantly female. So yeah. just one of those yeah. little quirks. I, I think that you guys could really have a gold mine there. So. Uh, yeah, definitely. So we're really excited about that. We've just got to, we will need to invest the money and we'll need to just work out the best way of doing it before. So I think what we might do is we might record a shorter book first, possibly one of the novellas just to test out our process. If we don't, you know, we have to get this approved by MGM. Correct. So we need to test that process out as well. Um, finding actors, just working it all out. Um, we might go with a, a sort of a lower cost. The short, obviously shorter book is cheaper because we take the uh, and once we've got that figured, then I would desperately love to do the legacy series. I think that would be fantastic. But also, you know, some SG one keep the balance going. We just got to work out how it's all going to work. But yeah, it's definitely on our to do list. <laughs> Good. I'm very glad to hear this. I have a number of fan questions that have been submitted. Okay. And cool. I'd like to run them by you. Yeah. Um. Burned Backhouse, is there an approval process with MGM and brand owners for each novel? If so, how does it work? How does that process go? Okay, yes. So each novel is approved by MGM. Um, we um, we get a an outline from the author, which we agree with the author. Then we send that to MGM. They so you guys are that. the first filter in terms of what's appropriate yeah. or not. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So we'll... we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll talk to the author about their idea and then we'll ask. We the, the outline is, we usually have a short outline, which is just maybe a page, which we send to MGM so they can pro- approve the general outline of the book. Then we'll get a long outline, which is about 4,000 words-ish, four or 5,000 words. Not exactly chapter by chapter, but it is a detailed breakdown of all of the plots uh, you know, what happens to all the characters at, you know, at the end. It's not like, and then, dun, 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 you know, you need to have the whole book worked out in outline form. Then that goes to MGM and they approve that as well, make sure there's nothing they don't like or any inconsistencies. Um, so once that's been approved, then the author is given the go-ahead to write the book. Um, then I will edit the first draft of the book uh, we'll go backwards and forwards until we're happy with that. And then that whole book goes to MGM and then they will do a detailed another read through and they will come back with comments. As uh, My authors will tell you sometimes quite detailed comments. That, no, you can't do this. Don't like this. Yes, this is good. Or I don't understand this. Or this isn't something I feel is appropriate to the show. We've had to tone down the violence a couple of times in books. Um, okay. That kind of thing. And, to match the and tonality of, of the series? Yeah, yeah, to match the tonality of the show. If they feel it's not, it's not quite, you know, it's a bit too dark or a bit too, yeah, 
whatever. So yeah, so then we get there's another to and fro there. So the, those comments go back to the author who makes some changes, comes back to me, I go through their changes and then I reply to all of MGM's comments and say, this is how we've addressed it. But then it goes back to MGM and they go through it and they agree or disagree. And we, we keep going back and forth until everybody is happy. And then that's when it goes out. And that can be a very lengthy process sometimes. What's yeah. been the average turnaround time for a book? <laughs> I couldn't say average because it's, it has varied quite wildly, but there okay. are some which have taken probably more than a year to get approved. Wow. And, yeah, and some which have gone much quicker. So it depends on the number of different things. What else is going on at MGM? Right. What else we've got going? What's going on with it? Because you've got, you know, an author can be busy. He can't get the changes back to You've you all got day jobs. We've all got day jobs, yeah. exactly. So it's all it's all being fitted in around our life. <laughs> so, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, but but we, you know, we we hopefully less than we would aim ideally for sort of three or four months, but sometimes it's longer. Unfortunately, it has been longer. Claire Cowan, did you spend any time on set? I did. It was really exciting. Right back at the beginning, when we first started, me and Sabina Bauer wangle the trip to uh to the set at bridge studio where they were filming stargate can't actually remember what episode it was we it was yeah it was was atlantis sg1 both it was sg1 okay it was uh sg1 yeah 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 it was sg1 yes it was um (laughs) of course it was (laughs) i was just thinking uh yes it was great so we had um we had a meeting with some of the writers we met Brad Wright and Robert Cooper and Joe Malazzi in their office upstairs. Mm-hmm. So nervous the whole time. <laughs> I was like, my heart was going like this the whole time. We had, yeah, so he has uh, some good conversations with them. They were sort of just asking what we were doing. Um, then we went down into the set and we watched them doing a bit of filming. Amanda Tapping came and talked to us. Aww. She was lovely. Yes, Michael Shanks came and talked to us, and so he was really nice. Um, yeah, so we watched. Yeah, we, we just sort of stood there. Isn't it? <laughs> in, the, in the back, yeah. It's such a, like, on one hand, it's such a, a surreal experience. And on the other, there is a fourth wall that is broken forever. Yeah. Too, at the yeah. same time, it's 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 an interesting. Th- I, I wouldn't trade it. I wouldn't I wouldn't trade it for anything. But there is something that you sacrifice once you see, you know, how how That's the right. how the 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 sausage is made. Yeah, quite exactly. So. Yeah, they were filming some scene, some scene, and it was involving Daniel running down a corridor, firing a gun, and <laughs> okay. we all had to put uh, like you know ear things in because it was quite loud and uh but there was no sort of you know no obviously no lasers and things like that you right. know it was all but you Practical. and it's like you know, you've got to do it again i've got to do it again kind of thing there's wires everywhere and it's you know it's quite a small cramped space in this little corridor and uh, we went to the but the really cool thing was we went we got to see the we got to see the atlantis set as well and we got to see the sg1 set and you know, I, I got to sit behind Hammond's desk, you know, sit in the chair <laughs> and, and stand on the ramp of the Stargate and all of that. It was amazing. Yeah, it was really, really 
fun and we went we went into the Atlantis set and I don't think they were filming there at the time but we saw the you know the the gate room. the gatrium yeah yeah the atrium yeah so it was like it was so exciting I was so, the whole time I was so nervous that Richard Dean Anderson was gonna walk in and I thought oh god if she walks in I'm just gonna blush so much <laughs> <laughs> but he didn't so I was quite glad I was sort of disappointed and glad <laughs> at the same time like oh I don't think I would be able to keep my cool but um yeah so we did and that was that was I mean that was a long time ago it must have been 2003 or four but it was before we put anything out I think wow um but yeah what a great was, what a great experience it was fantastic Lori Steinle Stein S-T-E-I-N-L-E Steinle and Goran Andonowski love the Stargate books any plans to write more so the the two books are in development Right. Uh, yes. So we've got we've got two in development at the moment. Uh, one by John Cannon, which is a really cool idea. It's a, it's a novella, but um, how to explain this? You, it's a story in which the team gets divided in two. Two characters go one way. Two characters go the other way, and they both find themselves on opposite sides of a conflict on this planet. Mm. So SG One or Atlantis? It's SG One. Okay. So you have. One one uh, side, you've got uh, Sam and Jack is on the other team. Jack and Daniel on one side, Sam and Tilt. I think it's that way around. It's been a while since I read it. <laughs> the first, so you, you, you go into the story and you read it from Sam's point of view. And then you get to the uh, crisis point in the story. And then it starts again from Jack's point of view. The, the idea is it's a bit choose your own adventure. You can choose who's you going to read first and then you read the other and then they come back together at the end and you so they're reversible if you choose to yeah wow exactly you could you could say so at the beginning we haven't we haven't formatted it or anything yet but at the beginning it'll be something like you know choose choose which one which one to follow first who you want to follow first jack or sam and you'll get two different perspectives on the same story so that's quite fun so that was that's a great idea yeah, it is great. That was John Cannon's idea. And, uh, yeah, it worked out really well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that one out. And then we've got that. So that's a novella. And then we have a, a, a full length novel coming up by um, a new author to us. I won't say too much about it. It hasn't all been approved yet, but it's okay. going to be um, take it, picking up from the episode Watergate. And it's going to explore Jack's relationship with Mayborn and what happens to allow Jack to develop a more trusting relationship with Mayborn. So Yeah, after he became a Russian spy. So yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Exactly. Exactly. So that's that's another interesting uh, interesting story. So yeah, so those two are currently in production. Um and hopefully yes. As for me personally, I have not got any plans at the moment to write anymore, but that's because I've got quite a lot of other stuff that I'm writing because I I do my own writing on the side non-stargate related plus i had a day job all <laughs> <laughs> right uh, kind of plus a day, kid yeah. plus a family I, yeah. you know absolutely yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. uh dan 23 have you ever been told you got something i'm interested to hear your reaction to this because your, your filter is so high turned up so high have you ever been told you got something wrong in a book and it didn't fit with show canon or maybe um... maybe they said that it didn't and you had to correct them We, when you say told, I mean, we may have had some comments and reviews and things. I don't, obviously don't read all of the reviews. We've never had uh, 
karma's a, an, issue, an issue or anything like, you know, that we've needed to go back and change a book. Usually it's more a, a, a point of view or, you know, that I, I don't think this would have happened or, you know, I, I think we're pretty good at catching anything that's actually, you know, goes against canon. And, the, you know, the, the person at MGM who does our approvals, she's watched all the episodes, mm. you know, as well. So, and our authors, you know, we use a lot of authors who are very immersed in the story. So I can't recall any issue where someone has said, this is completely wrong. Um, I don't think we've made any big mistakes. Not, it is, you know, no one's brought it to my attention. <laughs> have, so you, I guess have you ever taken a character like, Ford, who was on a Stargate team at some point before Atlantis, or uh, or or Colonel Young from from Universe, who who was I mean these people were a part of Stargate Command before yeah. their stories picked up and and added them peripherally to one of the stories that were set in an earlier SG One season. Um, I'm sure if we've added them earlier someone might tell me that i'm mistaken um but we have certainly picked up some of those you know smaller characters we have and uh delved into their backstory more sort of within mm. a book or um you know use them as a more major i remember character. diana botsford had a had a real soft spot for sg13 colonel dixon um dixon, and his team yeah. they they pop in you know, yeah, in, in her stories too. We've used Dixon um, in several books. Actually, he's quite a popular character amongst our authors. Um, um, we used him in um, in the Apocalypse series. Mm. And um, I'm trying to think. I've just got my list of books. I'm trying to think which one it is who uses him. There's a whole book which is actually dedicated to him. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It's amazing those little characters that pop in for one or two episodes. Yeah, that just, they just kind of they, like you, grab you can't, your. Yeah, you, they're they're kind of like static cling. You know, you can't you can't get rid yeah. of them. There's something about them. Yeah. 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 But I don't think we've. Yeah, I don't think we've inserted them earlier. Although you know, I, it is the sort of thing that our authors do, and I may just not be remembering. It's quite a lot of books over quite a lot of years. <laughs> well, that's it. And you know what? We've got the, the hive mind here in the comments also working. If, if there's anything that, that stands out, I'm sure the, the oh, mods will let me yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think Aston answered, but I'll go ahead and bring it back up again. Austin, uh, will any of the Stargate Atlantis books, specifically the ones that take place after season five, ever be on Audible? So ah, there you yeah, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to know this interest. You know, it's, it's just this. That's one of the things, you know, to, to to know there'll be a market for them. So hopefully, you know, we'll do a sort of trial balloon and see how that goes. But yeah, that would definitely be one of my first choices once we start doing audio. Jet Ison, how do you submit an idea? Can okay, you still submit um, ideas? Uh, we we kind of switch on and off with with um, with submissions. Um, so. The moment we're not taking any submissions, but okay. we may we may open up again once things get moving. Um, when we do, we usually will have a 
we'll, we'll usually advertise it and have a, a link on our, our website um, where there's like writer's guidance about what we're looking for. And then we would we would ask for, um, as I described before, a short outline and a long outline um, and, and just some information about previous writing experience or something like that. Um, it's quite time consuming when we do open up for admissions, uh, submissions because it's just the two of us. So it takes quite a while to, um, you know, read through. But, um, you know, we found some great authors that way. So we, we are keen to do it as, as circumstances allow. But when we do, we'll, we'll tell people, we'll maybe tweet about it or put it up on Facebook and, and link to the um, link to a page on our website where we can submit ideas. All right. Outline. Teresa, were you ever inspired by any other sci-fi series? Yes, yes. I uh, started writing fan fiction for Voyager. Ah. Yeah, that was... Uh, that Poor was ship first. lost in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, yeah, I had a soft spot for that. Who, so who was quite... your favorite uh, to write for? Who was your favorite character? It was Tom Paris. You liked Tom. I did. <laughs> I don't know why. I haven't watched it for years, but I'm actually doing a big Star Trek rewatch with my son at the moment. We've just we've done all the Next Generation. We're on to Deep Space Nine, so eventually we'll get back to Voyager. But mm-hmm. yeah, I wrote Tom Paris. Yeah. And Belana Torres, I was like, ah. kind of shit then. So. Yeah, <laughs> so, big yeah, fans so. of those characters too. Oh, good, yeah. Absolutely. T. Pete, 202, who's your favorite villain that you've created? Oh, that I've created? Uh-huh. Well, I like, well, I, okay. I, wrote, I wrote him as a sort of baddie in the um, Matter of Honor books. Yes. Um, and uh, I like that whole the whole sort of psychodrama, I guess, of him and Jack. Um, so I enjoyed writing him. Um, I don't think I've created an original bad guy. So I I would say Baal is probably the, the fav- my favorite one for having written. Yeah. So you were responsible for SG-1 Unleashed, right? That story? Yes. Yes. So yeah. you, you took um, uh, Sekhmet into a different direction. Yes. I loved those first two episodes. And it is oh. it is a crying shame that they are no. now inaccessible. I think that there's oh. just something wrong about that. You know? I mean, keep them available so that people can play. I guess, because, you know, as, as phones evolve, as, as technology evolves, you know, you can't play them as much. But they were so cool. They were well done. And the oh, voice acted, acting and everything else was just great. Yeah. I know. It's such a shame about that. Because we did, I'd, I'd actually written the third episode as well before it all, you know, the, the plug was pulled on that series. Um it was really fun. It was it was really fun to work on, and uh, you know that it all kind of came together in the third episode. Um, and well, then let me was... let me preempt you. That dude right there wanted to know: Can you reveal anything about what the story plan was for the third episode of Unleashed that never saw the light of day? Because he says Anubis yeah. showing up was hinted at. That setup and teaser for episode right. three were great. Okay, so let me try and remember. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Now, so the interesting thing here is that the basically when they asked me to do the script for for the Unleashed um, stories, that the idea was they wanted to create 
they wanted to sort of do a kind of reset, if you like, and they wanted to create, um, how to put it, like reboot, reboot the team in a way. So the idea was that the first three episodes were, were going to create this, um, it was going to end up with a kind of time travel situation whereby um, all of the ghouls and everything had returned and SG-1 went into a sort of alternate universe type thing where you had SG-1 as they were and, and a lot of the bad guys who had by this point in canon being killed off had been sort of revived and that was yeah that was going to be Anubis's sort of plan um with the with the device that, that, that he was trying to create and so at the end of the third season, uh, episode you were going to have a situation where I'm trying to remember correctly SG-1 had sort of gone into this this unleashed universe where mm. they they were unleashed from um uh sort of rules of, of Stargate Command in a way and all the bad guys had been sort of I guess returned by this device forgive me because I, my memory of exactly mm. what's going to happen is a bit shaky um, but but what happened that got cancelled but I really enjoyed the idea of that and that formed the basis for what became the Apocalypse Trilogy so a lot of the ideas okay. that would have come in out in that third episode uh, were put into that understood series. okay so that, that's that's great so even more reason to check out the apocalypse trilogy then yes <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it's not yes it's not exactly but a lot of the the elements we, the elements uh are in there yeah yeah i really need to reread that script so i can answer questions <laughs> absolutely <laughs> it was about a while ago now goran Ananowski. um this is a fair point. Have you have you considered uh, putting out any SGU content? Um, yeah, we get asked that. But, well, every so often we get asked that. So we we had the license to do SGU books for a while, um, and we put out the novelization of the pilot episode. But I struggled to find authors who wanted to write SGU. Um, and then the series was cancelled, mm. and we felt it just wasn't worth the cost of the license. We weren't going to get, we weren't going to make enough money from it to make it worth paying the license fee mm -hmm. for it. So we dropped it from our license. So um, you've done the license fee for for SG One individually and for Atlantis individually, rather than getting a franchise license. That's right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So we started with the SG One license, and then we added the SG A license. Got it. It comes down to numbers, you know? It really does. Mm. Yeah, so. and I'm just, we get a few questions, you know, we do get people saying, would you do any SGU? And, but we don't get a huge number of people, so it makes me wonder whether there'd be a market for it. That's fair. Uh, Jonas, which book should I read if I want to read a book that deals with ancient lore? Ancient with a capital A. Yes, the ancients. Right. Let me just consult my list of books. <laughs> Who is that? You have ancient ancients. Okay. There's a good book by Melissa Scott called Ouroboros, mm. which deals with the ancients. 
Um, that's SG-1 book. When Daniel Jackson discovers the location of a lost ancient laboratory, he uncovers a powerful device, a prototype technology designed by Janus to supersede the Stargate network. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> big author, so I would, I would recommend anything by her, but yes, it's mm. interested in Atlantis. And there was the ancients, uh, there was another Atlantis one. Just let me... It's quite an old one, so I'm going back. Uh, well, now if you're if you if you don't mind a little sort of horror in your books, mm. I would suggest Angelus by Peter Evans, Stargate Atlantis. Um, when Colonel Ev- Ellis, ooh, Michael Beach's character, encounters yeah. the ancient Angelus in the borders of a Surin space. The Atlantis team think their luck has changed, but all is not what it seems. And even Angelus does not know the truth of his identity. Okay. Yeah, that's another good one. He's in, he's another he's a good writer. So the Asurans are the uh, Pegasus replicators. Yeah. So Neam's people, and Charles and Emerson the... Winchester the Third's people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <sighs> Oh, yes. Cool. And also, okay, one more final recommendation is okay. um, Exogenesis by, it's another Atlantis book, Sunny Whitelaw and Elizabeth Christensen. Um, yeah, that's another ancient-based book, Atlantis book. Okay. Dragon. Beckett, no, Carson, yeah. Carson Beckett disturbs the rest of two ancients and the consequences are devastating. Those ancients, man. <laughs> they left so much behind, including some of themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. They're just, yeah, they're so just fodder for story material. Yeah, so. yeah. There's a lot of it. We do. We crop. They crop up every so often. Absolutely. All right, yeah. Gregory. One. What do you think of there being a Stargate version of the Halo Legends mini animated movies? Oh, like an animated series. I think. So. I think that that's what he's getting at. Yeah. Well, I would be in favor of any new Stargate content. You know, so yeah. I think the advantage of an animated series would would obviously be that you can have Jack and Teal'c and Sam and Daniel, you know, you don't have to rely on the actors. You Correct. Know, did, willing you and see, able to do it. <laughs> did you see Stargate Infinity? Have you uh, ever seen no, it? I haven't. No. The pilot is worth watching. Um, mm. I, uh, the, the quality, unfortunately, was not all there in terms of, like, the animation. I think we've been spoiled by like Batman the animated series and things like that over the years. Yeah, so it's definitely yeah. not there. But I I recommend recommend it to people who have young kids who they're right. trying to get, you know, at some point yeah. they're going to grow up and start watching Stargate with their yeah. folks. I cannot recommend it enough for that because it is right. uh, every episode has uh, a um uh it, it every episode's a little morality tale like like all the best yeah. of science fiction. So Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me see. Laurie says again, uh, will Fandemonium be at, uh, are you planning on being at the next Stargate uh, convention in Chicago if and when that happens? Saw Sally and a few authors there and it was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. We had such a good time in Chicago. Um, we've been twice, I think. Uh, um, yes, we would, well, we would love to go. It will depend on, uh, obviously, travel. Mm. And, uh, yeah, it's Coming from the UK, it's kind of expensive, but mm. we do have family in the US, so that kind of combine the trip makes it a little bit more affordable. So if and when that happens, yeah, we would we would love to go, and we'd love to go to GateCon in Vancouver as well. Very Same good. caveat, of 
cost applying. <laughs> Absolutely. Dan23, have you ever brought a character from uh, the show who was thought missing or dead back? Yes, we have. Uh, I would refer you to... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So these are a couple of books at the end of the Legacy series called Unascended and the third mm. part. And uh, they bring back a character who died in... I, should I say who it is? Well, look or at the cover it? art. They'll let them, yeah, I'll okay. let them go to the website and check it out. <laughs> the cover art kind of gives it away. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, we did do that. Yeah. There was, uh, for this particular character, I never thought that, that they got their proper comeuppance. So mm. when, when I heard about this, mm. I was very happy. So. Yeah, yeah. Eva, was, was it hard to write Sam and Jack scenes in terms of staying in character with the feelings which couldn't be expressed but were there? Were you a Sam Jack shipper? Yeah. Okay. I'm a Sam and Jack shipper. Um, so I did... I, I, didn't find that I have written a lot of fan fiction, so I had quite a lot of experience of writing uh, their feelings. But of course, in the books, it's all subtext. So correct, um, it's beneath the surface, yeah. as yeah. it were. Yeah, exactly, literally. <laughs> so yeah, so um, I I enjoy writing that kind of stuff where you just can reveal it to those who want to see it. Um, in a word or a sort of look or or a reference or something. And of course, MGM are going to, you know, keep us on the straight and narrow path. They're not going to let anything slip through that they don't think is uh, consistent with the show. Mm-hmm. So, not unless you're doing an alternate universe or something like that, yeah. where you can run amok with, with, with alternates. So, for yeah. sure. Um, yeah. Sally, this has been fantastic. It has been it's been so good to to catch up with with you, really seeing seeing your face. Um, <laughs> I am really excited about the content that's uh, uh, moving forward with with SG four with 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 Brad's uh, um, uh, next venture, and you know I and for all the the peripheral content that that comes along with uh, the continuing franchise. This. This thing is by no means dead. It's just uh, mm-hmm. it's just hibernating, and 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 fans like you have helped to to absolutely keep it alive. So it really means yeah. a lot to me to have you on. Ah, oh, thank you for inviting me. It's been really fun to talk about Stargate. Yeah. Any um, other resources that we want to point out? I mean, obviously StargateNovels.com. We've been hitting that uh, pretty good. Um, these so where to buy? So these are. Um, do you, do you still sell hard copies, or are you pretty? Are you mostly ebook now? Uh, no, they're all available in print and ebook. They're um, all available. Okay. Be, yep. You should be able to order them from bookstores or go online from Amazon or other book providers if you don't. Okay. My, I've, may, correct me if I'm wrong. Weren't they like only available as like as like uh, print to order at a certain point? Well, um, they uh, they are print on demand. Print on demand. That, That's what I mean. Yeah, that technology has improved. Wow, um, great. great deal. Um, so, they may be actually they may not all be available print on demand at the moment. I'm not entirely. No, they are. No, tell a lie. They okay. are all available print on demand. Um, and uh, they're on Kindle so, too, right? 
Kindle and Nook and all the other ebook providers. And uh, yeah, so you should just be able to order. They, that, that technology has got so much better now that it's allowed us to get everything available for print. When we were doing short run print or, or paperback, it was just the logistics were extremely difficult. So this has been a real benefit to us and they look great. They look Good. fantastic when they're printed. So yeah. Yeah, some of this technology has just come a long way. Like, especially like with with t shirts, print on demand as as yeah. well. I mean, it's you yeah. know, it's it's the the, the it's it's really caught up with the rest of us. So that it's great to hear. I was I was wondering about that. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you again taking the time, and um, yeah, all the best to you. And you know what? I'd I'd love to have more of your authors on. So please, yeah, uh, let them know. I will. I will see if I can round up some and do a little panel or something. We'd like, I'd love to do that in the next month or two. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, that's great. For sure. Well, you take cool. care of yourself. I'm going to wrap up Thanks. the show on this end, and uh, okay. I'll, I'll be emailing you soon. Brilliant. Thanks. Thank great you, to Sally. talk to you. It's Thanks, good to Dave. see you again. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Sally Malcolm, Fandemonium. All right. We have a big day planned. In 45 minutes, Sue Ann Braun, also from the UK, is going to be joining us as well. Uh, so we're going to uh, uh, get the show ready for her. Okay. Dial the Gate has sponsored with Big J Customs for the month of April to give you a chance to get your very own custom pop figure. To enter to win these items, you need to use a desktop or laptop com- laptop computer and go to visit dialthegate.com. Scroll down to Submit Trivia Questions. Your trivia may be used in a future episode of Dial the Gate, either for our monthly trivia night or for a special guest to ask me in a round of trivia. There are only three slots for trivia, one easy, one medium, and one hard, and only one needs to be filled in, but you're more than welcome to submit up to three. The submission form does not currently work for mobile devices. Your trivia must be received before May the 1st, and if you're the lucky winner i'll be notifying you via your email to get your address please be sure to check out our partner's website for more stargate related merchandise at bigjcustomsart.com so uh if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to like share and subscribe uh thanks so much to my team uh tracy keith jeremy reese anthony uh, summer linda gate gabber fury jennifer kirby you guys make the show possible. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get the show ready for Sue Ann in about 45 minutes here. She'll be 40 minutes. She'll be back with us to discuss Hathor Host Season 2 and to announce her guest list for the rest of the season. My name is David Reed for Dial the Gate. Thanks again to Sally for joining us. We'll see you on the other side. Dial the Gate is hosted and executive produced by David Reed. The producer is Darren Sumner. Co-produced by Linda Fury. The composer is Neil Acri. Animations by Bryce Ors. The production assistant is Jennifer Kirby. Moderators include Summer Roy, Keith Homel, Tracy Noller, Jeremy Heiner, Reese M., and Anthony Rowling. Logo design by Deborah J. Bell. Additional effects by Thomas Tots, with contributions by model makers Chris Baker, Stephen Barr, Kevin Zabo, and Tom Paris. The archivists are Linda Fury, Zachary Adams, and Fred Eric Marcoux. For general inquiries for submissions, please contact us at dialthegateshow at gmail.com. Visit our website for the upcoming schedule, as well as an archive of our past episodes, at dialthegate.com. <laughs>